Hi everyone, Jason here. On May the 14th, Stephen and myself will be appearing with the one and only Mark Lewison at the Pavilion Theatre in Dunleary, Dublin. We're going to be celebrating 60 years of a hard day's night and we would love you to join us. For tickets, go to paviliontheatre.ie or nothingisrealpod.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Nothing Is Real, a podcast about the Beatles. Everybody thinks they know the Beatles, but how much do you really know? We're going to look at things from a different angle and try and bring things together in a different way. My name's Jason Carty. My name's Stephen Cockcroft. And today we're going to be talking about an album that perhaps gets overlooked. You know, whenever there's some magazine or website that puts together a list of the greatest albums of all time, the Beatles will usually feature... But it's usually the usual suspects of Sgt. Pepper, Revolver, you know, Rubber Soul, Abbey Road. It's never Help or Magical Mystery Tour. Now, on this one, we're going to be uh, talking about the Help album. What is it about an album like Help that doesn't get it onto the list of the greatest of all time? It has Yesterday. Isn't that enough? Uh, The Help album came out in 1965 and the Magical Mystery Tour album came out in 1967. Let's kind of start with Help. Stephen, do you like the Help album? I do like the Help album, but it would not be in my list of the top five Beatles albums. And given that they only made 12 albums, I <laughs> think that that tells you all you need to know. Lower tier Beatles. Lower tier Beatles is definitely uh, my verdict. And I'm, I know there's a couple of things we're going to go into deeper, but broadly speaking, what are its main failings? Why does it fall down when other albums don't fall down? For me, I think it's an album that certainly contains a few great songs, but I don't think it hangs together as an album. Uh, I I think it's a a sort of a transitional album. Uh, It's overshadowed, in my view, by Rubber Soul uh, that that comes immediately after. It's also linked to the film of the same name, which, uh, whilst it was popular at the time, it wasn't critically successful. It's regarded as the lesser of the two films, Hard Day's Night being the first. uh, I think there are some great singles that come immediately after. Uh, so I just think it doesn't... It, it's an album where they're in transition. I mm. think they're moving from the Beatlemania touring days and you can see the start of the maturing of their songwriting ability, uh, starting to bring albums together as uh, you know more thematic quality albums like Rubber Soul. It has a particular sound. Help, I think, suffers because you've got folk, you've got country and western, you've got Ticket to Ride, which is, in Lennon's words, the earliest heavy metal. I'm mm. not sure I agree with that, but it, it's it's a mismatch, I think, of different sounds. I mean, it's interesting. So if you kind of look at the chronology of it, Help is obviously their fifth album. It came out on the 6th of August, 1965 in the UK and the 13th of August, 1965 in the US. And they're actually two very different albums, the UK and the US one, and we might talk about that a, a little later. But it is curious that it, it wasn't their first soundtrack uh, the first soundtrack was album number three, A Hard Day's Night in 64. Mm-hmm. And I think in the last couple of years, lots of people are happy to place A Hard Day's Night as a number one album or as a top album, even though it's also a soundtrack and it's also suffers from the half movie, half new songs type ma- mix up that Help has as well. 
I think I think the issue with Hard Day's Night uh, is there's it, it's a more consistent sound. Um, it, it's not the sound of a band in transition. It's the sound of a band in, in full flight of, of uh, uh, Beatlemania. It's uh, the first album where all the songs are self-written, um, and it has a, a consistency of sound, mm. as well as the fact that the film was hugely successful, yeah. critically, commercially. So I think it gets a better press. I, personally, I think it's a much, much better album. Well, it's also a better film. Better film. You watched Help as one of your many preparatory uh, steps I, for, for uh, discussing these things today. I did. What is your coming back to it after many years? Because Help was where you started with the Beatles. Help, my earliest, uh, my earliest childhood memory of the Beatles is watching them run along a beach at the end. I don't remember <laughs> the start of the film, but I remember the, the end of the film, sitting in front of my parents' black and white television, watching that particular scene. Um, I, the film holds up quite well, but I think it runs out of steam. Mm. Uh, I mean, it's a. I think people might know it's a travelogue where they move from the Alps to the Bahamas. There's scenes set in London. It's it, it it's very much of its time. It's it's spoofing the James Bond movies of the time. Um, it does just move the Beatles from set piece to set piece. There's not really much of a plot. Mm. Uh, but I think if you go back and look at a lot of those films made in the 60s, they don't hold up yeah, particularly I th- well. I think you're right. I think help, you can tell it's it's kept afloat by the fact that it's them. Yeah. But it does have that kind of cookie-cutter appearance that a lot of 60s pop movies have. And A Hard Day's Night is kind of striking because it doesn't have that. Like, nothing really happens in A Hard Day's Night. It's all about themselves. And help does have this notion of there's a jewel and it needs to be found and it's all very kind of... Yeah, it's it's a very contrived yes. plot. Whereas, whereas Hard Day's Night, I think, functions as a sort of mock documentary. Yeah. A mockumentary, if, if you will. If you will. Thanks very um, much. <laughs> but, uh, I, and I think people watching it at the time and even, even now watching it, you can kid yourself into mm-hmm. believing you're watching a documentary. Yes. Uh, you know, so, so for all of the sort of little surrealist touches in Hard Day's Night... You can pretend it's a, a, a documentary, and that movie sort of set in stone yeah. the, the, the persona of the four Beatles. Yes, you know the quiet one, the intellectual one, the cute one. Um, help! I think they don't really know what to do with the Beatles. They're just moving them around. Yeah. Plus the fact they were pretty stoned when they were making <laughs> it, and 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 I think that that does come across. I mean the first. A side or the first half of the, the the Help album is obviously the seven songs from the movie, which is the same pattern on the Hard yep. Day's Night album. And I think the best thing about the Help album is that we kind of have, for want of a better word, music videos or prototype music videos for those seven songs. There's a lot of songs from that era that I would love to have similar filmed inserts for, filmed videos for that we just don't have. I think that's one of the things that I that struck me about watching Help again for the first time in maybe five or six years is those sequences are just simply proto videos. Yeah. They're all set pieces. They're all set pieces. The yeah. skiing with is probably the most famous one where uh, they're sort of skiing down a mountain. And, and you can see that modern pop video starts here. The monkeys start there. Um, it, it, it really does set the template for a lot of yeah. what comes after. And then similarly, the, the Help B-side is just another seven songs that they recorded in the in the same session. So that's certainly in the, in the, the UK album. Um, now, the first song recorded for the Help album was uh, Ticket to Ride. Ticket to Ride. In February 1965. Do you know what the last song, the last time they were in a recording studio before that, what they recorded? No, but I think you're going to tell me. <laughs> I think I am going to tell you. Uh, it was, well, they, they spent a day in the studio in October 1964 and they recorded Honey Don't 
and a remake of What You're Doing for the Beatles for Sale album. And that's quite a leap in three months to go from recording those songs to recording Ticket to Ride, which is a totally different uh, kettle of fish. Different sound. Yes. Um, I, I think Ticket to Ride is probably the first occasion for me anywhere where I think they're, they're using the studio. Mm-hmm. They're, they're applying production tricks. And you're right, it, it's a huge, um, a huge leap forward in terms of both the songwriting, yeah. uh, the, the lyrics and, and the use of production in the studio. Was it the drugs, Stephen? I think it may have been the drugs. Or the hats. Uh, or the trousers. Or the trousers um, or any of those I things. I think it was the trousers. Uh, yeah, I think, I think you can't, uh, when looking at the film, looking at the soundtrack, I think you can't um, discount the fact that uh, their, their drug use was changing. And mm. um, there's a very good book by uh, Joe Gooden, uh, where he just traces the films, he traces the albums and, uh, from the perspective of what drugs were they using uh, when they recorded this and what drugs were they using uh, when they recorded uh, that. And uh, I think help does mark the transition from alcohol, speed, uppers that they were using in the early part of their career. They've discovered pot. Uh, they're smoking it you know, constantly through the making of the film. The other... Um, uh, drug that came into uh, their lives at that stage was uh, acid, mm-hmm. uh, which th- there seemed to be some discussion as to, to precisely when uh, John Lennon and George Harrison first took their first acid trip. But um, as best, the consensus seems to be somewhere around April mm-hmm. 1965, which would actually place it after they wrote and recorded Ticket to Ride, but immediately prior to Lennon writing Help. And I know we've talked about this before, so you have your own theories about the differences between Ticket to Ride and Help in terms of that drug influence, for want of a better phrase. Yes, I mean, uh, the, the Help, I think, is one of those songs where Lennon suddenly starts writing about his, very clearly about his own personal experience. Uh, the lyrics are, are deeper. Um, it, it's a more sophisticated arra- vocal arrangement. It seems to me that they're, they're, they're taking much more care uh, with the vocal arrangements, the backing vocals, to serve the meaning of the lyric. What they haven't, I think, quite got in place, and I think this is would be my take across a number of songs on the album, they haven't quite matched the music to the lyric. So uh, help, uh, Lennon famously said this was actually literally a cry for help, although he didn't necessarily know it at the time. It was a much slower song than it ended up. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, under pressure, I think, you, to, to have a jaunty opening track, to have a hit single, they sped up the music. They, it was a, a little bit more up, uplifting, uh, much the same way as they'd done originally with Please Please Me on the first album. The, the, the music, is, it doesn't really seem to me to serve the lyric. Yeah. Um, and I think that's probably the same with uh, McCartney's song that we might come on to the night before. Uh, I think I Need You, Harrison's song. Similarly, so they're, they're still feeling their way towards coming up with that mature style of songwriting where they have a, a, a lyric, which is a sophisticated lyric, and they've matched it to, to, the, uh, to the music. I mean, at this point, Lennon was publishing his books as well. He's trying to kind of mash those worlds into his songs in a way. There, that's true. And one of the people that was in, in Lennon's, Lennon's orbit at the time was Maureen Cleave, who was a, a, a journalist. And she supposedly around this time was goading him slightly and saying, why do you only write lyrics that using one syllable uh, words? And mm. he took this very much to heart. 
Um, so the lyric in Help, I think, is a little bit more sophisticated. Um, you know, there's the phrase self-assured. I mean, that's an odd lyric before it was all I love you, she loves you, I'll yeah. buy you a diamond ring, uh, that type of level. This is a more sophisticated uh, lyric. Um, there's a line in Help, uh, I've opened up the doors. And uh, I think the consensus is that that's a reference to the uh, Aldous Huxley book, The Doors of Perception, which is about the acid experience. Yeah. He, so he's literally within days of his first acid experience, he's writing this lyric. Uh, it, it's a more self-referential lyric. It's a more honest lyric. Mm. And um, he's, he's, he's trying to incorporate or bring the style of writing that he had applied to the books. Uh, he's trying to bring that into to the lyrics. Can't underestimate the influence of Bob Dylan as well. Yeah. Well, I'm kind of looking at the track listing now in front of me and you see songs like You've Got to Hide Your Love Away, which is almost, uh, you know, tonight, Matthew, I'm going to be Bob Dylan. Away yes. I go. Um, I mean, if you look at those seven songs that make up the soundtrack side, uh, you know, Help, uh, You've Got to Hide Your Love Away, You're Going to Lose That Girl, Ticket to Ride, The Night Before, Another Girl, I Need You. Um, they're all winners, aren't they? It's, no? it's an ex- I, I <laughs> having, having said this is not, not in my top five, the first side of this album, with one exception, um, I, I, I think is a very strong, uh, a very strong uh, contender to being, you know, Mm. Uh, if, if it was just the first side, I think I might put it in the top five. Wh- which wh- where's your where's your dip? Oh, well, I think you know where I'm going with. I this. think you're going with another girl. It's sucks, another which girl. Which I I don't have a problem with. What's your problem with another girl? Oh, it's just Paul at his most Paul. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lines are going to be drawn. Lines are from be my drawn. team Paul experience. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess it is archetypal. Paul by numbers, it's forgettable. But it, I, I it, suppose it's, it's Paul by numbers. It's 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 pastiche. Right. And uh, I, I think this is probably the first example of that pastiche style that oh. McCartney brings to the second half of the Beatles, the second career. Half of the Beatles career. Yeah. And which, which, you know, sustains them in, 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 in the <laughs> fallow periods. Uh, um, but I, I think it is a pastiche. Um, the other aspect uh, being, you know, the cheerleader for Team George that I don't <laughs> like is that... Um, uh, George, having recorded the lead guitar, Paul came in the next day, decided he could do better, just wiped it and, and put a very odd um, uh, guitar solo on there, which is neither country nor Western, but <laughs> something in between. OK. And uh, those seven songs, obviously, we mentioned earlier on, there's a difference between the UK album and the US album. And in the run up to coming in and talking about this today, I dug out a copy of the U.S. Help soundtrack, which I bought 30 years ago uh, on a holiday. Um, I'm not sure why, but it kind of l- remained unloved on a shelf for ages. And I, I can't recall when I last listened to it. But I have to admit, the U.S. soundtrack, which features just the seven songs and then all the incidental music from the film, is actually rather good. Mm. No? Well, I mean, it's, it's uh, 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 the problem with those U.S. albums is, yeah, there's all these interludes that aren't the Beatles. But the B-side of the U.S. Help album, I hadn't appreciated. It's stuffed with sitar music. Like, we're talking six months before or so, before Norwegian Wood. And I hadn't really appreciated until I listened to it last week that there's a bunch of North American Beatle fans were sensitized to the sitar, not from Rubber Soul, but from the B-side of the American version of the Help album. That's that that is something I hadn't appreciated. I, I did have a copy of the American Help album on vinyl years ago, which is 
been lost somewhere mm. along the way. But I did dig out the CD version and I listened to it. And I, again, it must be the first time I've listened to it maybe ever all the way through. And yeah, I was surprised at how much um, sitar w- was on the second side. What what I don't like is it it is incidental music. Yes. I mean, it's not good uh, music, it's particularly. Not, it's well, it's not, well, in, in Hard Day's Night, you had Ringo's theme. Yes. which was an instrumental version of This Boy. And here you just, this this is music that could slot into any spy caper. Yeah. Um, and it, it just doesn't work without the visuals. And actually the Indian pieces are probably the uh, the most interesting. Mm. I'm, I'm not sufficiently au fait with Indian music to be able to say whether it's good, yes. bad or indifferent, um, or whether it's, you know, a session guitar player having a go on a sitar for the first time. But uh, but I was surprised. And you're right. I mean, everyone thinks Norwegian wood mm. uh, is the the introduction to Indian yeah. instrumentation. I mean, the legend goes, obviously, that George met his first sitar on the set of Help. In the Indian restaurant. In the Indian restaurant scene. And so part of the music that they play on the, the US soundtrack album is the Indian restaurant scene. But then there's this big sitar chase mm. at the end. Um, I mean, that's a true story. I d- but what I was wondering, listening to this was, well, did George have a copy of the US soundtrack album? Was he tuned into the soundtrack itself as opposed to just meeting a sitar in person? No, I think uh, the way he told it was he met, he, he, he picked up the sitar um, and then went out and got himself one, a very cheap uh, sitar that sort of fell apart. Mm. Uh, then he got in touch with the Indian Music Society in London uh, arranged to take lessons and it sort of came from there so I've never I've never read anything or heard an interview where he's mentioned yeah. the, uh, the, the, the soundtrack the other thing I would say just going back uh, a little bit to the film it's very on PC oh yeah uh, yeah. Very politically incorrect. Yeah. Uh, I, I couldn't recommend it uh, <laughs> from, from that point of view. And I think the music as well, this whole idea, this notion of sort of cultural appropriation yes. of music, which is very sort of 21st century. I think if you bring that sensibility to it, you'll hate the film, you'll hate the soundtrack. Yes. Uh, you'll you'll probably hate everything about it. Well, so. to see Rumpel of the Bailey himself kind of um, done up as a... As an Indian an, Swami. Yeah, as an Indian Swami, Leo McCurran. It's a bit... Um, Called Clang. Clang and yeah. and of course they very pressing though they, the the god is called Kylie Kylie so yes. you know they they foresaw Kylie they so did. I'll give them I'll give them marks for that um, yeah I think here's one of my theories as to why the Help album isn't rated is that there is such a discrepancy between the US version and the UK version is that there isn't really an international consensus often if you think of these notions of the greatest Beatles albums of all time, they tend to be albums that were either the same in the US and the UK, which are Mm -hmm. Sgt. Pepper, The Beatles, Abbey Road, or had a similar comparison. So Rubber Soul was different in the UK and in the US, but they were both good. I think the the, the US Rubber Soul is quite an interesting concoction. And I know that might be going off a, a little bit off topic, but help. It wasn't really until the CDs came out in the late 80s that there was kind of a unified international version of the help album. Yeah, I think I think there's probably something in that. Um, um, I, I think that Revolver is a different configuration. That's true. Yeah, uh, Rubber Soul is a different configuration. Yep. So, um, but I think it's certainly. In but they have the same identity. Same same sort of identity. But I think I think certainly in respect of the, the 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 soundtrack on Help. Yes, you're right. Um, al- although the flip side is obviously Hard Day's Night. Yeah. Which was also a different configuration in the U.S. Didn't seem to suffer. Mm. Uh, by that, that's uh, true. By that, but I, th- but I suspect a lot of it was to do with the film. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
because the critics who tell us what we must like and what we must not like. <laughs> um, well, we're here to smash we're the critics, here to smash Stephen, the critics. obviously. Uh, we will tell you what to like and not like. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> th- th- they, they liked Hard Day's Night. They liked the film. Uh, it was a critical success. I actually hadn't realized until I started reading the review, sort of reviews at the time, how badly uh, help was received, the film. Really? Not well received at all. Um, uh, it was seen as just a pastiche of the Bond movies, and uh, you think that would sort of that was what was in vogue. And if you think of all of those '60s films like The Knack and mm-hmm. Alfie, and it, it has a certain tone and a certain style. And like all '60s comedies, uh, it doesn't really have an ending. Yes, it, it just sort of dissolves <laughs> in a massive fight scene. And I mean that, yes. that seems very crazy captions. Yeah, very of its time. Um, there is an odd thing where even though a hard day's night is a little bit. Old, 
uh, scene. It also absolutely plays to Ringo's strengths as the kind of you know ordinary Joe mm. in the band. Um, I, I I think it's a marvelous song. It's it's a, a proto country and western proto Americana. It is proto Boku of blues, Ringo yeah. countryisms, yeah. and sort of. I but I I would take the proto country of Don't Pass Me By ahead of Act Naturally. Even I think they're cut from the same cloth. They're cut from the same cloth, and it, Ringo makes no secret of the fact that y- y- you know this is country and western was one of his great. Uh, loves and uh, I think that the, the whole country album that he recorded later was simply because he picked a musician up from the airport, flew in from Nashville to work on Harrison's All Things Must Pass the guy get in the car and the whole car is filled with uh, probably 8 track mm. of uh, Buck Owens and uh, that kind of Bakersfield sound I, I, I think it's the, the Beatles kind of stepping slightly outside what they they normally do I think it's a perfect fit uh, for Ringo and I, I won't have a word said against it <laughs> Well, and then as you progress through the B-side, you get um, It's Only Love, which is a song Lennon hated, which I think is a very uh, nice song. I don't have a problem with it. That's a nice hat. <laughs> no? Would you not rate it either? Well, that's a nice I hat. I know it says uh, fly that, that and girls about go by and all these kind of yeah, rhymes. Yeah, it's... it's uh, <sighs> but, it's, but, it's, but it's the way he sings it. He can deliver. Like, when he hits that chorus... Uh, and it's Lennon I doing it. You think that's fantastic? I think it's I think it's a bit form formulaic, I, and I, I think he's doing a number of things here. He's referring back, I think, explicitly to the uh, the mishearing by Dylan of the chorus in "I Want to Hold Your Hand." Oh yeah, uh, which is "I can't hide," and Dylan heard it as "I get high." Mm. So here he actually uses that "I get high when I see you go by." So I think he's he, he's making a nod back. To, to bring that. that word in, um, but it's an incredibly trite lyric. Yeah, uh, what's that like? You know, bright, very bright. You, you know, he sings yes, it. He yes. sings it. I, I rhyming words with the word itself is yeah, always a bit of a always a bit of a letdown, bit yeah. of a giveaway. I, I, I think he, I disagree with you. I don't think he delivers it well. I think he he's self conscious about the lyric. Um, I also think that they. This is a another example. And not a good example of them bringing studio trickery yes. to mask what is a slight piece of work. Yeah. Uh, so they've got the guitar going through the Leslie speaker to create a slightly unusual sound to kind of divert from the fact that this is a pretty lightweight yeah. song. And uh, uh, the fact that Leonard actually did refer to the song, he the name of the song before it was properly named was That's a Nice Hat. Right. And then moving on to, uh, you know, as you progress to that, you get You Like Me Too Much, which is George being George. Yeah. You, you kind of get to, well. E- I, I, even I'm not going to defend okay. that. Okay. I kind of like Tell Me What You See because of its groovy electric piano. No. No. But then you get to the nub of the thing, which is I've Just Seen a Face and Yesterday, buried away at the end of the album on the B-side, are two fantastic uh, moments of Paul. Paul, Paul Magic. Paul magic sprinkling his fairy dust all over it. Uh, yeah, I, I I I agree with you. I couldn't disagree. No one I think could disagree about yesterday. I've just seen a face uh, is a, a wonderful song, a wonderful piece of work. It's it's a sort of folk style song. Um, from what I understand, he wrote this uh, some time previously. Had been sort of it had been hanging around as an instrumental. His anti gin liked it very much so mm-hmm. his, 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 his thing with the Beatles they seem to give songs arbitrary names so this was originally called uh, Auntie Jin's theme, <laughs> um, theme he, put a li- he put a lyric to it the lyric is 
fantastic. The lyric just tumbles out. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they had moved that to the first side, I think the first in, in place of another girl, I think the first side would have been flawless. Yes. Absolutely flawless. Uh, can't can't fault. Uh, I've just seen a face. I would love a contemporary clip a la help to go with. I've just seen a face should have been in the film. Yeah. Uh, and, and the other thing is, it, it, interestingly, it uh, it doesn't appear on the American no. um, version of Help. The capital in America, they were so taken with this song that they insisted that it would open uh, the American version of Rubber Soul. So, yes. I mean, it is such a, a, a good, strong, strong opening to that. Like when I was a, a youngster and I got wings over America, I couldn't really figure out why when Paul drops in I've just seen a face people go crazy and it wasn't yes. until years later I realised I've just seen a face has a different exactly I had exactly the same level of recognition to me this is an obscure song from the second side of, yes. a, of not one of their great albums and suddenly it's it's being rapturously received but in America it's it's uh, the opening track, the opening track of track to Rubber to yeah. Yeah. yeah and and very worthy of it too and a song that still features with uh, you know Paul still breaks it out from time to time he's yeah, uh, sung it a lot. He, he sang it on uh, with Paul Simon on the fortieth anniversary Saturday Night Live show. I buy to your Saturday Night it, Live. It's uh, worth digging out on YouTube. It's a very uh, fun and uh, an amusing thing. And then you get on to Yesterday, and sometimes Yesterday is one of the few Beatles songs that almost exists beyond the Beatles. You know what I mean? It's it seemed to when I go back and you see these things on BBC Four, these you know nights of. You know, old TV clips it's curious how quickly yesterday became a standard mm. and kind of started to escape from the Beatles but what's also interesting and I remember when I first saw the anthology in 95 is how Paul is allowed to perform yesterday completely solo like when they go on was it Thank You Lucky Stars or whatever yes. they were on um, that, they, that the other three Beatles step away and Paul stands in the middle he's not shy he's not shy he's not shy at all and he sings yesterday you know I think you know for Paul McCartney Opportunity oh. Knocks <laughs> Um, it's curious that they're confident in each other enough at that stage that that doesn't seem to be a problem. I think that I think that they they took a long time to get to that mm. point. Um, so you know, McCartney's got this song kicking around for a while. He doesn't quite know what to do with it. He he goes to George Martin. Is this a Beatles song? Is this a song? You know, they were writing a lot of songs for other people. Yeah. Um, you know, I think. Almost as soon as it was out, Matt Monroe was covering it. Uh, Marianne Faithful has covered it. Um, so uh, George Martin wanted it to be a Paul McCartney solo right. record. And I think it was Brian Epstein that was saying absolutely not, because mm-hmm. that will sort of um, uh, break break up the, in the public's uh, yes, uh, yes. mind. Um, you've got to wonder, would, would Paul probably would have been quite keen <laughs> to have a solo. Well, as we said, he's not shy. He's not shy. You know? I, I, I think it, it's it's hard to be objective about yesterday because it is so overly familiar. Yes. Um, it, it's just, you just can't, uh, I think, be objective at all about it. Mm. What I think I can say is, I don't think it fits on this album. Yes, I think uh, you're right. And, and, and I think that, that contributes to this sense that I was saying earlier of it's a bit of a, uh, a sort of a, rag bag of different mm. styles and different songs I'm not saying some of the songs aren't great uh, Yesterday undeniably a, a fantastic song it just doesn't seem to fit and coming right almost at the end mm-hmm. uh, following I've Just Seen a Face then you get Yesterday two acoustic mm-hmm. songs and then you go straight into a rock song a kind of rock and roll track at the end It just it, it's as if they didn't quite know where to put the yes. song 
so they just kind of stuck it in there. And maybe, maybe intending it to be the last song on the album. And yesterday has a different existence again than in the States. It's the title track of Yesterday and Today. It's released as a single. It's number one. It's yep. a totally different uh, beast. I think it's always worth mentioning for people who don't know that day when the Beatles recorded Yesterday, I've Just Seen a Face and I'm Down were all recorded in the same session when Paul, the best Beatle, obviously, <laughs> um, threw everyone else it's out of the studio. <laughs> it's an extraordinary day's work to get those three songs done. It is, and uh, I think he was making up for lost time because he 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 hadn't contributed much, I think, mm-hmm. to Beatles for Sale. Mm. Uh, Can't Buy Me Love, I think, was the last single that he'd written. So Lennon, Lennon was sort of, you, you know, ahead of him in the songwriting stakes. Uh, he was settling into to life with Jane Asher. He moved into her parents' house. And th- this was a sort of a last catch-up. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, he never looked back. And then, as you say, the album finishes with Dizzy Miss Lizzie. And I sometimes feel I kind of blow hot and cold with that as an album closer because I, I, I feel in some ways, you know, it's it, it, it it's not quite ending the way Twist and Shout ended Please Please Me album. It, no. it might be going for that. But as you say, this is a transitional album and this feels like the last shout of the boys from the Cavern Club. I think that's exactly right. If this, this If this had appeared on... Please please me. Yeah, it, it wouldn't have been out of place. Yeah, and I think that's exactly what it is. The circumstances I think for for recording it were that uh, Capital in America needed two more tracks to make up uh, a, another American configuration of Beatles Six, and they went in on the same day and recorded Dizzy Miss Lizzie and Bad Boy, which mm. are two Larry Williams songs, and they just sort of knocked them off. Yeah. Um, I always uh, initially thought that must have been the last song they recorded, but but actually they recorded them in the middle of the session, gave them to Capitol, they were intended for an American release, and I suspect this is a case of Lennon not wanting the album to end with two Paul songs, but yeah. what more, you've got to end with an up-tempo uh, rock song. Yes. That was a rock and roll song, you've got to kind of leave them with that twist and shout style, and I think that carries through into rubber soul yeah um and that's a sort of old-fashioned showbiz approach uh but you're right i think it's 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 slightly out of time yeah and i I think they weren't necessarily obviously thinking of this album as a as a whole unit just yet and i don't even think they were thinking of it at rubber soul it just sort of happened with rubber soul yes um almost by accident i mean looking at the list of songs there's as is my want, I, I kind of was fiddling around on Spotify trying mm. to see is there some way of rejigging the B-side of the Help soundtrack you to get something. You just can't let it be. I just, I think, I think obviously they wish they'd employed me at the time for I think to make these decisions for them. still going for that job. <laughs> but there's a bunch of songs that they had in their uh, arsenal at the time that they'd recorded or mostly mm-hmm. recorded that they could have dropped in. Uh, and that that ended up coming out in, in different ways. There was Wait, which ended up in Rubber Soul. Yes, it is. And I'm Down, which ended up as B-sides. Uh, if you've got trouble, that means a lot. And as you say, bad boy. So they have one, two, three, four, five, six songs that they could have added into the other seven songs to have a, a decent B-side. Do you yeah. think there's anything there that should have uh, made the cut? Uh, I, I think Wit, which yes. ends up on Rubber Soul. I, I, I think that, uh, that, that, that should have been... Uh, I think they could have dropped uh, Dizzy Miss Lizzie. Yeah. Uh, they could have dropped, uh, you know, you would have them drop Act Naturally, I assume. Uh, you know, I think I think it could have been sequenced in a way that that perhaps is more gave a more consistent sign. Well, well, thanks for asking. I will tell you how I sequenced it. 
uh, I've got two rough sequences. So one, so this is my B side of help. Wait, I've just seen a face. It's only love. You like me too much. Yesterday, tell me what you see. Uh, tell me what you see. And yes, it is. The album finishes on Yes It Is. I hate that song. Do you? Yeah. Uh, it's a bit of a diner. You can't close, can't, yeah, so, can't okay. close the so album on that. Then my other alternate uh, rundown for the B-side was opening with I'm Down. Yeah? See what you did there? Yep. Uh, it's Only Love, You Like Me Too Much, Yes It Is, Tell Me What You See, I've Just Seen A Face, and Ending On Yesterday. A lot of Paul there. And the problem with that is? Nothing. What? Nothing. Okay. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> but you're not going to buy any of my alternate helps? I don't. You'll notice, think so. you'll notice I've kicked off Act Naturally. Yeah. Yeah. No, you kids, you know, it's not a proper Beatles album without a Ringo song. Is it not? Unless it's Hard Days Night. So this notion that, you know, Dizzy Miss Lizzie at the end is kind of the farewell to the first half of the Beatles. You, you kind of think that this album is the beginning of the end. I think the seeds of the end are here. I think, uh, I agree. I think Dizzy Miss Lizzie is, is sort of a relic of, of their past. I think this is the point at which they start uh, expressing interest in doing different things. So you've got George is picking up on the Indian music. Mm. Uh, that's that, that progresses extremely rapidly over the course of the next couple of years. Paul uh, is now hooked up with Jay and Asher. He's in that London artistic life he, he's sort of uh, going to theatre he's, he's becoming the kind of guy about town 60s uh, sort of swinging London John is just going to start sitting at home taking drugs uh, for the next couple of years Ringo family man um, I, hairdresser I think, hairdresser I think you can see uh, these uh, the, 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 the seeds are there mm. for their separate interests starting yep. to feed through now, before we kind of wrap up talking about help, I'm going to throw one more uh, theory or bomb into the conversation, which is I think I prefer help to rubber soul. And um, that's a wrap. <laughs> so and I, I've done this in a very mathematical way, which is I looked at the 14 songs on help, the 14 songs on rubber soul, and I realized I prefer more songs on help than rubber soul. That's kind of how this should work. Isn't I would it? expect. Nothing less. Right. Okay. So I reckon that on uh, you know the Help album, there are seven top class, amazing Beatles songs, and there's only about five top class, amazing Beatles songs on Rubber Soul. So I mean, Help, you've got Help, you've got Hydra Love Way, you're gonna lose that girl, Ticket to Ride, Tell Me What You See, I've Just Seen a Face in Yesterday. I think they are seven top flight songs. I wouldn't go with Tell Me What You See, but okay. Whereas on Rubber Soul, you only really have In My Life, Norwegian Wood, If I Needed Someone, I'm Looking Through You, and Nowhere Man, I would put them as my top flight songs. It's for those of you who like to buy your music by the pound. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's probably the best way to look at it. Um, well, whereas I, I would be, be coming at it more from a point of view of looking at the whole package. Does, yeah. does, does this hang together? Yes. I think there's a consistency of uh, sound, yeah, uh, Rubber Soul has a very sort of organic sound. It's a kind of a, it, there is an acoustic feeling about it. It's, yeah. it's uh, I always compare it as being you know, Rubber Soul is made out of wood, Revolver is made out of metal. <laughs> it's it's um, I, I I would come at it uh, more looking at the whole package. I I entirely agree. Help I think is a transitional album. Yeah. I don't think it's a great album, but I think it has some great songs. Streets ahead of Beatles for sale. Let me try one more thing then. I think the bad songs on Rubber Soul are much worse than the bad songs on Help. Well, uh, what do you think the bad songs on Rubber Soul are? Well, I think I think the, the, the two worst songs on Rubber Soul are uh, What Goes On. Yes. 
uh, Run For Your Life. Yes. And coming up, our close third is Michelle. They are the three that I have on my list. So it's a good job that we're agreeing on we're something. We're agreeing on something. Because Michelle, even though it's one of the most played and beloved Beatles songs, is a song I cannot abide. Even your love of Paul. Even my love of Paul won't transcend my, my s- stressful dislike for the, the love of Michelle. And then what goes on is probably, it's like they listened to Act Naturally and said, how could we make this a bit worse? I think, I think that's how right. Could we, how could we ruin the opening of Side B on this album? I think so. Is, is how they I ended I think up. so. Well, look, I, 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 I think, uh, I hopefully we have made some kind of case for help. At best, I hope people go away and listen to it again and uh, maybe give it a fair hearing uh, versus some of the other albums. By any other group, it'll be a high watermark. It's just unfortunate that it's by the Beatles in a way. I think that's I think that's absolutely the right. And it's also worth uh, people seeking out that uh, that American version of the Help album and listening to some of the sitar points. Anything else you think that needs to be said? No, I think uh, I think that covers it. And I'm glad we reached a consensus on how <laughs> terrible Michelle is. Yes, I think if anything, that's uh, that's an important step going forward. We can. We can build on that. Exactly. It's something to build on. Okay, so that's the Help album. Another album cut from the same cloth is the next uh, soundtrack that they did, which is 1967's Magical Mystery Tour. And that's another black sheep in the Beatles album catalogue. Nobody really puts that down as their favourite. So we're going to be talking about that uh, on the next podcast. Um, We would love to get some feedback on what you think about what we've been talking about today. We're on Twitter, at BeatlesPod. Uh, so you can drop us a message, drop us a line. If you have any suggestions, disagreements, any alternate arguments that you want us to consider, um, then we're glad to to, uh, to take those on board. Um, but for Nothing Is Real, my name's Jason Carty. My name's Stephen Cockcroft. And this is Nothing Is Real. We'll see you next time. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Thanks for listening to Nothing Is Real. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, why not become a member? You'll get access to ad-free content, bonus episodes, and so much more. Follow the link in the show notes, sign up on ACAST Plus, or visit our website, nothingisrealpod.com.